the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Assurance. When you die, do you have assurance that heaven will be your home? Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. You'll hear verse-by-verse preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8 and listen in as we learn from the Bible how to have assurance. Turn to the book of Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, where the scripture says, and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. You know, in life, few things matter as much as security. If you're here today, uh, you know that our country spends vast amounts of wealth on keeping our nation secure. By the way, I'm happy that they do. I'm thankful for that. I love that. I'm thankful for every guy in our church and every lady in our church that serves in the military or served in the military in an effort to keep us secure. Um, We have people that have served in in fighting uh, positions. We have people that have served in IT positions. Uh, We've got everything in between and all around that. And I'm thankful for every single person who's done that. We spend a lot of money, time, and energy on trying to keep our nation secure. And I love that. And I'm thankful for that because security is important. Can I get an amen there? Our city spends money on keeping our city secure, and I'm thankful for that. I was on a ride-along on Thursday night up with my division. I'm a police chaplain. If you ever hear me say I'm a cop, I'm not really a cop. I'm just a chaplain, and I know a lot of cops. So some people, somebody said last week, you said you're a cop. Well, technically I'm not, but in my heart I am. So what we're going with. Um, But we spend a lot of money there. And then people will spend money themselves on things to bring security to their own life. I won't ask you to raise your hand because we don't want you to know, but how many of you have a a, uh, security system at your house? And then people put security systems in their cars and you have locks on the doors of your house. If you don't have a lock on the door of your house, please let us know. Our youth group will raise money. Um, But you put locks on your doors. Why? You want to feel secure. Some people buy dogs. People will even buy guns to keep themselves secure. None of those things are bad. None of those things are wrong. Totally fine. We like to feel secure. It's really important. I remember as a kid growing up, how many of you know those memories that you have in your mind as as an adult that maybe they really happened this way and maybe they didn't, but no one will convince you it didn't happen this way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I remember this. And your parents go like, oh, that didn't happen like that. And you're like, oh, yes, it did. Oh, no, it didn't. And then you, 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 you leave the family reunion mad. And well, I've got, a, I've got a memory like that. It's one of my earliest memories literally that I have. And the memory goes something like this. I was a kid 
And uh, I, it was at night, and I, I went into my parents' room. And normally when I was a little kid, I would just get in on my mom's side of the bed. She was nurturing, caring, comforting, whatever. She didn't ask any questions. She just crawled in there. It was nice. It was warm. It was comforting. You went to sleep. But for whatever reason, on this night, I walked into my parents' room, and I stood on my dad's side of the bed. And I can remember just in the darkness, just staring at my dad, wondering, when is he going to wake up? And he just wouldn't wake up. And I'm staring at him and he's not waking up. And I'm staring at him and he's not waking up. And so I did what every kid does when their dad doesn't recognize them. Um, I called the newspaper. No, I didn't do that. Uh, I remember uh, starting to cry. I wanted my dad to recognize me. And so I just started to cry. I thought about shaking him. I can still remember this, but I thought that's a bad idea. And so, because when you're a kid, you know, your dad's the world's strongest man. And so I just started crying. And eventually my dad woke up. And he looked at me and he said, never called me Chris. I don't know if he's ever called me Chris hardly in my entire life. It's always Christopher. And he looked at me and he said, Christopher. And he's my dad's got a real deep voice. He's got the face and voice for radio. I mean, he does. He's, he's got a radio voice if you've ever heard him. And he's like, Christopher. I guess, you know, that's me. Um, what's wrong? And I just stared at him crying. And he looked at me and he goes, are you scared? And I shook my head that I'm scared. And he said, okay, get in bed with us. You can sleep with us. He had to scoot over because when you're 17, you need more space. (laughs) But truth be told, I just really wanted to feel secure. I slept well being secure. It wasn't, I was probably in my late 20s, early 30s before this feeling passed, when I would spend the night, even as a married adult man at my parents' house, I always felt a little bit more secure than when I was at my house because my dad had the watch. My my dad's watching out for us. My dad's the one that's in charge. Now, I, I don't know that my dad, when he was a kid, he told me he was a good fighter, but I don't know that he is. I don't know that he was. But there was a, I never saw him fight. Thank the Lord he never had to. But I, I, there was a strong measure of security that I had just because my father was in the room. It was awesome. Well, we're dealing with a series entitled Assurance And today we're jumping in. It's a study in Romans chapter 8 about how we can know for sure that we're saved. And Romans chapter 8, as we get to the end of this third section in Romans, Romans is divided into five sections. They deal with different doctrinal matters. And, and the first section is, is Romans 1, 18 to chapter 3, verse number 20, and it's doctrine of sin and judgment. Romans 3, 21 to 5, 21 is, is two and a half chapters, and it deals with doctrine. And, and then we come to our passage or our section of Scripture that is Romans chapter 320 or, or, or chapter uh, 6, 7, and 8. 521 is the last verse and then goes 6, 7, and 8. And so we're coming to the end of this division of, of the book of Romans and we, we have two more to follow. And Paul is dealing with this reality or this concept or this need of security in the life of the believer. And this text that we have before us today can become cliche-ish. Matter of fact, if you maybe go to like um, Hobby Lobby, 
You might even see this verse painted on, mass produced on some canvas and people put it in their house and we know all things work together for good and there might be an ellipsis after that or before it, however it is. But it's a, it's a very well-known verse and, and people almost, if we're not careful, we could almost treat this like it's a cliche. We can treat verses of the Bible like they're a cliche. Well, what do you mean a cliche? That we say it so regularly that we don't understand what it means. We just kind of go with the flow of what we think it means. And, and listen, I, I'm not opposed to saying Bible verses regularly. I hope that you do that. I hope that that's a regular part of your life. But we need to understand what this verse is really talking about because this passage is, is I would say, a glorious promise for mankind. It's staggering how how awesome this passage is. Some people would actually call it breathtaking. It's, it's as one author referred to it as, as being heavy laden with the gold of divine truth. I mean, this passage that we're going to study today is precious beyond compare. It's a comfort when it seems there is no comfort. It's unbelievable, I would submit to you, the promise that we have. And here's what it is. The believer can rest in perfect peace knowing their salvation is secured by the power of God. The believer can rest in perfect peace knowing their salvation is secured by the power of God. We're secured by the power of God. My salvation is settled by the power of God. And so we see in our text of scripture, verse number uh, 28, three words that change everything and we know. This is such a vital passage and these words introduce this thought as we continue from verse 26 and 27. And we know, in, in addition to what 26 and 27 are saying, and we know I want you to understand this morning that you can have confidence in your security. And we know. The word and here, Paul is continuing this idea from verse 26 and 27. And he's talking about the promise of God. And we know this, that there are general promises of God that are beneficial to all mankind. General promises of God beneficial to all mankind. It's uh, after the flood, back in the book of Genesis, the flood with Noah that you've read about maybe and you've heard about the, the flood. At the end of that period of water being on the earth, a, a rainbow is seen. And that rainbow is a picture of, of God's mercy to mankind and the promise that God will not in any way, shape, or form destroy the world again by a flood. This will not happen. He will not cover the face of the earth with a flood. It's God's promise. Now, uh, the, the rainbow has been hijacked by some groups to mean something that it doesn't mean. Let me tell you that really, in reality, the rainbow is a picture of the judgment and mercy of God. It is not a picture of frivolity. It is not a picture that you can do whatever you want and God is okay with it. It is a picture of the, we would say it this way as old theologians, of the stayed judgment of God. That's what it means. Uh, There's judgment, but God in his mercy isn't exercising that judgment. But that's a general promise to all mankind. There's a general promise in scripture that God will be patient with the earth and with mankind everywhere. 
Romans chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? First Peter chapter 3, verse number 20, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved. There's just some general promises of God where all mankind is benefited. But then, including in this text, then there are specific promises of God that would include this text. Paul is talking to those who have placed their faith, their trust in Christ alone. This is what it means. They understand that they're a sinner. They understand that their sin will eternally separate them from God in a place called hell. They understand that Jesus Christ died on a cross for their sin and they have put their faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ as he paid the penalty for their sin. People who put their faith and trust in only Jesus have their sins forgiven and they are called believers. If you like what you've heard so far, check out KenyonRidgeRadio.com. You can see videos and listen to hundreds of Bible messages that will help you in your walk with the Lord. You can also send a message to me and Pastor Chadwick. Check us out at CanyonRidgeRadio.com. Now, back to the message in progress. Redeemed. I appreciate the song we, we sang earlier about being redeemed. And, and the mercy of Christ that saves us because he died on the cross. And as we put our faith and trust in him, our sin debt is paid. That's what the word redemption means, paid by Jesus Christ. We are redeemed by the, Bible says it this way, by the blood of the lamb, the sacrifice that Jesus made. Well, the word we in verse number 28 is a very specific group of people And we know, the people who are redeemed know this. It's exclusive to us who are saved. It's not a general promise. It's a very specific promise. The Bible talks a lot about specificity when it comes to promises. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 10. The Bible says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Here's what I want you to understand about this promise. It is a very specific promise for the believer that we can take strong confidence in. It's a believer's, we might say it this way, a believer's only promise. Paul's gonna reiterate that at the end, meaning he's drawing emphasis to this point that this is restrictive, it is specific for the believer. Friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, I encourage you with everything that is inside of me to accept the free gift of salvation that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ alone. No one can force this on you, But the Bible says that we're to exhort you, to encourage you, to plead with you, to come to Christ. And I want to encourage you to come to Christ. If if you get all the principles, but you don't get the promise of salvation, it is a net loss for you because you'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. This is a very specific promise. 
As believers in Christ, said one commentator, we know beyond all doubt that every aspect of our life is in God's hands and we will be divinely used by the Lord, not only to manifest his own glory, but also to work out our own ultimate blessing. Now, sadly, many believers throughout the ages have been, and maybe some even here today, question whether or not they are truly saved. Many question the power of God to guarantee the salvation of believers. Many refuse to believe that God guarantees the believer uh, eternal security. But most people believe that struggle with their salvation. Most people struggle because they believe in what we call a cooperative salvation. They believe God does his part, but I have to do my part. So I can't be saved because I sinned. I can't be saved because I had this thought. So in order, this is what people think. So in order for me to be saved, I have to improve my life. I have to stop cussing. I have to stop smoking weed. I have to stop viewing porn. I have to be a better husband. I have to show up for work on time. I have to be a better employee. Whatever the case may be, that's what many people believe. I have to control my emotions. I have to prove to God that I am good enough and right enough to be saved. Friends, that kind of thinking finds no support in Scripture. None. And leaves one questioning every aspect of their salvation. You... People often agree that God would never fail them, but they think that they would fail God. Let me say this with emphasis. You need to write this down. Salvation is a work of God alone. It's a work of God alone. You didn't do anything to get it and you can't do anything to keep it. Let me say that again. You didn't do anything to get it and you can't do anything to keep it. Salvation is a work of God alone. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter two, verse number eight, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, not of works. There's nothing that you did for it because if you did, you'd boast about it. It's entirely a work of grace that you're saved through faith by the grace of God that he gives us through faith expressed and dependent upon Jesus Christ. It is not a work of you. There's nothing that you did for it. There's nothing you can do to keep it. It is entirely a gift of God. Once you're saved, you're saved. It's the gift. God isn't giving the gift and taking it back and 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 giving the gift and taking it back. Otherwise, we'd be better parents than God is. One of my daughters is here today. And when she was a kid, we didn't give her gifts. And then every time she messed up, take it back. Like, oh, here you go, babe. Here's, I mean, we were great, great, amazing parents, like eight years old. Here's your Ferrari. I'm kidding. It was more like, here's your ramen packet. Next year, you'll get the flavor. And then we didn't later, like, take it back. And then give it back and take it back. If you're doing good, you get to keep it. If you're doing bad, we get to take it. No, 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 that that would be horrific. 
That'd be horrible parenting. It would be, it would be, it would be draconian on every, every level. It would keep their, their faults and their failures always before them. I'm thankful that we have a God who, who is a perfect parent who gives. And when he gives, he doesn't give and get back. He's not manipulating behavior, but he is pointing us to his majestic wonder and grace that is an eternal gift for mankind who will express faith and trust in Christ alone. We have confidence in our security. I want you to notice verse 28 as well, 28b. I want you to notice the extent of our security. And we know that all things work together for good. All things work together for good. Our security is limitless. It's limitless. It's as limitless as it is absolute. It's absolute. We just talked about that. Now we see that it's limitless. All things, the Greek word pos, it it means completeness. Everything, the, the full quantity or extent of something, it is utterly comprehensive. It has... It is, it is full ranging. It has no qualifications or, or limits. The, the word, uh, all things, the Greek word pos, there's no context that allows there to be any restriction. There's no context that allows there to be any conditions. God is not saying only those things that I bring into your life will work together for good. God's not saying that. God's not saying that only those things that you did with a good heart will work together for good. God is saying all things, it's inclusive in the fullest possible sense. Nothing, absolutely nothing on heaven or earth will be able to separate us, Romans eight thirty nine, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All things is limitless. There's no qualifier. Well, pastor, I, I, I would have to say that it's probably all godly things. Well, there's words for that. And he didn't use them. Well, I would say that he means like all nice things. There's words for that. He didn't use them. The Bible is inspired by God. It's not as though God's up in heaven going, I could have used that. Maybe I should have. No, if the Bible was written by man, we might have an argument to go, well, maybe, maybe not. No, the Bible is inspired by God. It's literally God breathed. It, it is It is written 100% perfect. Can I hear an amen at a quiet Canyon Ridge crowd? It's 100% perfect on every single level. And the Bible says all things. God is not saying in this text that, and Paul is not saying that God prevents his children from experiencing things that can harm them. Matter of fact, God either causes or allows everything to happen in your life. Let me say that again. God causes or or allows everything to happen in your life. You engage in sin, God allowed it. There's things that God causes that, that are good, often good. There's things that God causes. We can look at Job's life. We can look at Paul's life that, that are bad. We can look at Hebrews, which we will in a moment, and we'll see that. 
God's not saying, Paul's not saying that God prevents his children from experiencing things that can harm him. He's rather attesting that the Lord takes all that he allows to happen to his children, even the worst of things, and ultimately turns those things into a blessing. A blessing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15, the Bible says, for all things are for your sakes. Paul talking to the church at Corinth, the Christians that were part of the church at Corinth, and he says, all things are for your sake that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound unto the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. And then verse number 17, here's Paul writing, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You got to remember when Paul, the author of that text, says for our light affliction, this guy who wrote that was an apostle. He had been a persecutor of the church. He had been a Pharisee. He had been the highest level of Pharisees, like the religious elite of the day. I mean, that was this man, the apostle Paul. And and the apostle Paul so clearly and so, so powerfully writes that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. This Paul, who'd been a Pharisee of Pharisees, when he became a Christian, his wife and his family, we believe, had a funeral for him. They literally considered him dead when he wasn't dead. They rejected him. The family business was closed off to him. The family funds were closed off to him. He lost everything when he became a follower of Jesus Christ, everything tangible. When he became an apostle of, uh, of Christ, he became an, a, a follower of Christ and a, called to be an apostle. He calls himself the least of the apostles because he persecuted the church. The apostle Paul began to serve the Lord and, and, and write books of the Bible. He didn't know they were books of the Bible, but they've been canonized and, and, and he has great impact in, in the world, in, in the first century world. And he's starting churches everywhere he goes, but he's not doing it without persecution. You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Before we go, if you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian and how to go to heaven after you die, we invite you to visit our website, canyonridgeradio.com, for more information. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement to you. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m. at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, our pastor, or how to know Jesus as your Savior, visit our website at canyonridgeradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.